Not be seen, but definitely seen. So um, we are celebrating Christmas Eve together, and we are celebrating the fact that Jesus loves us so much. And there are so many questions about God and Jesus and tradition and what is Christmas all about. And we find that it is about family. It's about uh, being together. And even though you might have a cousin you really don't like or an uncle that's kind of crazy or a nephew or niece that's just kind of a little bit weird, you still learn like we're family and we love to be together. And this is who we are as the local church. Many different parts. But as we enter a prayer time before we continue... I'm reminded that there are many of us who have lost loved ones this past year. I'm reminded that there are many of you that have endured pain and sorrow and loss. And it's important that we make time to grieve those losses, that we understand sorrow is part of healing. And we don't just move on from it, but we learn to live in God's love for us in the middle of it. And so as I lead us in prayer, you might just be saying, God, I don't know if you're real, but there's pain in my heart. God, I want to believe you, but I'm just struggling with something in my life. This is where we come and we're honest before God and we say, Jesus, help us. And if you're out there, help us. And I guarantee if you follow him, if you seek him, if you trust him, you will find him because his promise is true. So Jesus, we pray, we ask, we thank you, we cry out. We wonder, we wander, we've fought. And now, God, we are here for some reason that you have known before we were even born. We are here thinking it's a situation that we chose. It's just a random coincidence. But God, you knew about this time. So may we hear your voice and hear you say, keep going. You love us. You have a plan for us. You are here to lift us up. We don't have to do it on our own or strive so hard. We can find rest and hope and peace and joy and love in knowing you. So, Father, we choose to follow you by faith tonight. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, amen. And again, Merry Christmas. I know it's Christmas Eve. And as I share probably every Christmas Eve, I did not really enjoy Christmas Eve services when I was a kid because our family had a tradition that Christmas Eve, we could exchange gifts from our siblings. So the longer we were at church, the longer I had to wait to receive my gifts from my brother and sister that they didn't pick out, but my mom picked out. So I knew it was a good gift because if it was just something my brother or sister picked out, like we could have stayed at church all night, but we do not do that. It's something about the waiting with Advent. There's anticipation, there's excitement, and this is what we want to look at today. This is Luke 2, 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was, you can read this next part with me, because there was, there was no lodging available for him. What? Well, this is from the New International Version. Why is the Bible translated in so many languages? Well, first, because some of us don't understand it. So instead of reading the Greek, which we really don't understand, people have said, well, let's either translate word for word or phrase by phrase or just thought for thought what's taking place. So let's read from the NIV. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was... 
because there's no guest room available for them. And for those of us that only show up on Christmas and Easter, that's not a slight. It's just this might be how you remember it from the King James. She brought forth. Does anybody speak like this? Because I don't. So we shouldn't in church anyway. However, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes like a Snuggie and laid him in a manger because... There was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for them in the inn. We find that said politely, there's no room for them in the inn. There was no guest room available. There was no lodging available. It sounds more polite, but the bottom line is we don't have any room for you. There's nothing going on. You are here. We're glad to take your money, but you got to stay outside. We're happy that you are here. Now, I'm very happy that you are here tonight, and I'm happy that we have power 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 wonder working power there's that's a different old hymn but we have power we have heat we have wi-fi it's in some i think just came to update your wi-fi because i haven't been able to for the last 35 hours so it's like let's get to church early and see what i can do on social media but you came well where does this come from have you ever been or felt out of luck I was going to use a different expression, but I just thought out of luck, we all know what we're talking about. Have you ever felt out of luck? You just thought, man, I'm doing something I'm supposed to do. They went, Joseph and Mary went to this place. Mary's pregnant. They're trying to be obedient. We'll read uh, later on why they were there. And then they just found themselves out of luck. Well, this is why they were there. At the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census when this guy was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. So Joseph was being obedient. Joseph was obeying. He was doing what he was told. This is something we're uh, brought up knowing, like do what you're supposed to do. It's going to be fine. If you just obey, if you just do the right thing, but this is my favorite sign. It doesn't equal, does not equal, is not the same, does not mean it will be easy. Obedience does not equate to but wait, so you're telling me that God has a plan for my life and I should follow God. And if I follow God, I get to go to heaven. But I have to suffer through life and the ups and downs and the struggles of loss, a divorce, of addiction, of rehab, of abuse. I have to suffer through the fact that I was falsely accused. I have to go through the fact that something bad happened in my life. Like, why are we following God if he's supposed to be so good and I'm obeying, but it does not equate an easy life. This is what the inn could have looked like that Joseph and Mary went to. You see the building where they were sleeping quarters, and underneath it's kind of like a cave. That's where the animals animals went. Did I say maminals? I don't know. I can't talk. I get talking so fast. But this is where underneath, so it wasn't like a wooden stable because they didn't have much wood at all to build, so they would use a cave. And so this is where Mary and Joseph went, where Jesus was born. It was a cave, and if you've been to caves or rocks or 
you know it's damp you know like there's no lighting you know like the smell kind of gets held in because there's no ventilation and so mary and joseph had jesus born in this cave underneath the inn because there is no room but this is supposedly the king of kings. This is going to be the Messiah. This is Jesus the Christ. This is the one that people had prophesied about, how people got excited about. So we want to obey, but this was not easy. And you might say, well, I tried Christianity before. I tried Jesus. I went to vacation Bible school. I went to church. I gave my offerings. And some have told me, Jeff, since COVID, like we don't miss going to church. It's like, well, you kind of just hurt my feelings. They're like, well, just being honest, like there wasn't anything there that wants, that makes us want to come back. And I just thought, what a shame if all we're presenting is a nice talk and some good music and some hot coffee. We need to be presenting Jesus that knows the depths of our pain, the depths of our sorrow. So we can say, without Jesus, I would be lost instead of saying, well, without God, you know, I'm doing okay. Where would you and I be without Jesus? Where would you be if we never celebrated Christmas? It was just a giving of gifts. It was just, uh, some of you saw the pictures I posted on Facebook. I overpost, but you know, I like to post. So I posted some pictures. Jay and I got to go to the Boston Celtics game on uh, Sunday after church. We got to go and we were gifted, gifted. That means they were given to us. We didn't purchase them. They were gifted to us six rows back from uh, the court. It was amazing seats. And I was so happy to make my other friends jealous. You can pray for me because sometimes I get that way. But I posted the pictures like, this is where we are. I didn't even have to sneak down. I didn't even have to lie. Like, this is where we are. They asked for my tickets. I'm like, yeah, I'm right here. This is where it is. But the trip down, Jay's a freshman in college, a Christian liberal arts school, and she had to take Old Testament survey this last semester. So she's quizzing me the whole way down on, Dad, you're a pastor. What is this? And I'm like, I, that's a great question. I have to look that up. Well, Dad, you know, this in the Old Testament, this in the Bible, my professor said it's really important. It's very crucial, critical to the Christian faith. What do you think it means? Or what was it? It's like, ah, that's a great question. I got to look that up. And so uh, Jay got bored of my not answers, so she started to play this Christian music. And Jay, like I think every freshman, the first month, month and a half was hard because it's different. And you aren't with your family, and it's just hard, and it's difficult. And Jay said, Dad, I know God is so good, but I often ask myself, like, where would I be without him? So this came from Jay as I prepared. Where would you be without Jesus? Would you be in the same place? Or maybe just maybe God had a plan for you that you thought you were rejecting him. You thought you were denying him. You thought you were doing it on your own. But you find out that God has loved us the whole time. God has sent us people the whole time to encourage us, to keep us safe. God has been there saying that I love you. I care for you. And I have a plan for your life. Where would you be without Jesus? It's probably a somber tone that we would be lost. We might be like, I was going to use a Tommy Boy reference because, well, I liked Chris Farley. Where would you be without Jesus? You might be like in a sailboat without any wind. Like it's flat calm and it's pretty awesome, but you're not going anywhere. It's like, oh, I just got this new boat. I just raised a sail. I'm so excited. But where's the wind? 
like I want I want some wind. I feel like I should be going somewhere. And sometimes we feel like we are so lonely and isolated. We're abandoned, orphaned, or rejected because we don't have Jesus as a part of our life. It's just God as a concept or a higher power that we think could be good in my life. But without Jesus, you are like a sailboat without any wind. Hey, I'm staying afloat. I'm doing okay. But are you going anywhere with purpose? Are you in a position where people are following you? Are you just saying, hey, I'm making it? Self-reliance is what that leads to, and self-reliance is not what God's calling us to. If you are in a sailboat without any wind, if you don't understand like where I am without Jesus, you might be saying, you know, that affair that I had, that's always going to hang over me. That rehab that I had to go to, man, I just pray and hope nobody ever finds out about that. That abortion I had, man, I'm going to church and I know God loved me, but I can't share with any church people because what if they reject me? That decision that I made, like I can't believe that I'm part of the church, but I'm still holding back. God has something for me, but oh, there's just something standing in the way. And I want to share with you today that if you've been to rehab, if you've been addicted, if you've been cheated on, or if you've been the one that cheated, that God says, I forgive you. I love you. I have a plan for your life. You don't have to worry about the hidden quarters. I, Jesus, say that I will wipe that clean. I remember that my son, Jesus came to die to forgive us in that way. And that is what we have. But too often we feel like, I know God forgave me, but I just got to do it myself. And we feel like Charlie Brown. Linus, I was going to bring in my wife's Linus tree, but it's stuck in her classroom. So I couldn't. Boy, are you stupid, Charlie Brown? Maybe you haven't felt that way. And maybe I have. But sometimes in church, you feel like, hey, I'm going to church. I'm doing the right thing. Then you let out like, oh, but this is in my past. And you feel like people are saying, boy, are you really that stupid? You have that past? Well, boy, are you stupid, Charlie Brown. Doesn't turn out to be so stupid after all. What's the matter, Charlie Brown? Don't you think it's great? It's all wrong. Look, Charlie, let's face it. We all know that Christmas is a big commercial racket. It's run by a big Eastern syndicate, you know. Well, this is one play that's not going to be commercial. Look, Charlie Brown, what do you want? The proper mood. We need a Christmas tree. Hey, perhaps a tree. A great, big, shiny aluminum Christmas tree. That's it, Charlie Brown. You get the tree. I'll handle this crowd. Okay, I'll take Linus with me. The rest of you practice your lines. Get the biggest aluminum tree you can find, Charlie Brown. Maybe paint it pink. Yeah, do something right for a change, Charlie Brown. I don't know, Linus. I just don't know. Well, I guess we better concentrate on finding a nice Christmas tree. I suggest we try a little stitch light, Charlie Brown. really brings Christmas clothes to a person. Fantastic. 
Do they still make wooden Christmas trees? This little green one here seems to need a home. I don't know, Charlie Brown. Remember what Lucy said? This doesn't seem to fit the modern spirit. I don't care. We'll decorate it and it'll be just right for our fun. Besides, I think it needs one. We're back. Charlie Brown. What kind of a tree is that? You are supposed to get a good tree. Can't you even tell a good tree from a poor tree? I told you we'd goof it up. He's not the kind you can depend on to do anything right. You're hopeless, Charlie Brown. Completely hopeless. Rats. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a tree. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shall round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So we begin with, There's no room for them in the end. And we move forward to John 14, 1 and 2. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is Jesus speaking. There is more than enough room in my father's home. So it started with there's no room in the inn. You did the right thing, but there's no place for you. You need to get out. You, you don't measure up. Charlie Brown, are you stupid? You can't get it right. I know you're trying, but there's no room for you. But then we read. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Don't let your hearts be troubled from the new IV, NIV. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus speaking. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Jesus does not lie. He is saying there's more than enough room for you with your past, with your background, with your sin, with what you hope nobody ever figures out or finds out. Jesus says, give that to me so I can say you are forgiven. There is room for you. 
I love you so much. I created you that you would have a purpose. I created you that you wouldn't have to be bashful about this thing that happened in your past, but you could say, God loved me so much. He sent Jesus to forgive me of my sins that I might walk daily with great hope. I might scatter joy and be the lifter of somebody's head. And I can say that Jesus loves you. He forgives you. He's here for you. This is why we celebrate Christmas, not so you can just feel ashamed of, I need a savior and there's no room for me. So I'm just going to sit in the corner and praise God, I'm going to heaven. But man, my life is a mess. Jesus says, no, there is more than enough room for you. Found it also curious how underneath the inn, there's like this little cave. And Jesus has not just tradition, but history tells us Jesus was born in this cave. History also tells us that Jesus was buried in a tomb. Very similar. The rock, the dampness, no ventilation. So Jesus was born in a cave and he was buried in a tomb. But neither could hold our Savior there. Jesus says, I love you too much for you just to go through the motions. I love you too much for you just to grit your teeth and try hard. Surrender to me and know that there's enough room, there's enough forgiveness, there's enough hope that we can celebrate Advent, the coming of Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. He built his tabernacle next to us. It means dwelling, according to Jay's Old Testament survey class. Jesus wants to dwell with us. He wants to abide with us. He wants to care for us. And in the middle of such pain, we know that he has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we can turn to him and know. But. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of the Lord. That's my king. I wonder who you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He taught and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He rewards the age. He rewards 
the diligent, and he beautifies the weak. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is efficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his word is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. That's my king. So if you just think that God is out to get you, you just think that <clears throat> life is to be lived full of pain and sorrow. You just think that there's no hope because you've messed up, because sin condemns. Know that your king sent his son, that we might live with joy everlasting and know a sense of peace and hope that we can make it through even even after three years of a pandemic, even after loved ones pass away, even after the diagnosis says the bad thing has returned, even when you've lost your job, even when you are distraught and don't know what to do, the king says he is our savior. And that is the good news of Christmas. Let's not just hold on and save that for Easter. Let's celebrate that today, that God loves us that much. And we can celebrate, not online, as we did the last two years, but we can celebrate and see the smiles and hear the voices and know that we are family, just being beggars, sharing bread with other beggars. So, Kevin, as you come up to lead us, can you just shut off that light? It's going to be going mostly black. And I'm going to light the first candle, and we are going to sing Silent Night. And then as we conclude, hopefully all the lights will be lit. But as you're able, won't you sing Silent Night with us tonight?